and welcome to another episode of Airfields of Dreams. This is uh, Hank Rausch. Um, I am sorry I have been away for a while. I've actually been on business travel, so I haven't had an opportunity to fly much or to uh, make these uh, uh, recordings. Uh, I've actually been uh, traveling around the world quite a bit. I was in Saudi Arabia and then in uh, uh, north of the Arctic Circle in Sweden. But uh, finally back home, so I had a chance to uh, fly around and I wanted to share uh, one of my uh, um, airports I land at quite a bit actually. It's Warrington Fauquier Airport in uh, Northern Virginia. Um, it's um, basically a good ditch point for me. I make a run down to the southeast a whole lot, down to the Chesapeake. And if you're coming from, you know, Martinsburg, that's always where you make the, the turn without having to fly through the SFRA or the Class V or anything. It's always a lot easier just to scoot down to Warrington and then uh, hang a left and uh, keep going. And, and also doing that uh, uh, allows you to avoid the restricted area at Quantico too. So uh, Warrington is uh, designator uh, HWY, uh, Hotel Whiskey uh, Yankee. It's located at 38 degrees, 35 north. 77 degrees 43 minutes uh, west. It's uh, 360 feet. It's got a uh, huge runway, 5,000 feet, uh, 100 feet wide. Um, runway, uh, it's oriented northwest and uh, um, northwest and southeast, 15 and, and 33. Used, used to have another runway, a crosswind runway. Um, they got rid of that, I guess, about 20 years ago. They turned into the hangars. That was always handy. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not sure if. Uh, it's probably better off ha having the hangars and, and getting the activity there than having another uh, another runway, maybe. One of the distinctive things about Warrington is it's got an old Grumman Albatross sitting out there on a ramp, which is uh, very distinctive from the air, and you can uh, you know land and take a look at it. I couldn't find a lot about the history of Warrington, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I looked a, a great deal. Uh, I could find that it was uh, went into operation in 1964, and it was a grass uh, runway, and it was paved uh, sometime after that. Um, and that's about it, unfortunately. Let's see, as far as a, a pie rep for the airport, we're going to talk with uh, Dave Dara. He is the airport manager who's just done an incredible job in uh, building the new FBO there. I won't say a whole lot about the old FBO because you wouldn't be landing there. The old FBO was kind of like one of those places, uh, you know, that has all the old fly magazines and has the uh, uh, T-shirts of, you know, people did their solos and, you know, they're tacked up to the wall and everything. The new FBO is just, um, just gangbusters, just incredible. And we'll talk about that when we talk to, to Dave. Um, the uh, the airport's a really good crash point. This is the first one I've interviewed, uh, I think, in, in this series where uh, you can actually uh, spend a night if you need to. And sometimes you have to because there isn't really anything around. There's no motels. I guess you get an Uber or something, but there's nothing really convenient within uh, five miles of Warrington. It's located about 12 miles southeast of the actual town, so you're a good ways out. Uh, but they keep part of it open. Um, you know, there's a code that's pretty obvious uh, to, to get into it. And, uh, you know, you've got the restrooms and uh, a lounge to, to sleep in and, uh, you know, snack machines and, and what have you. So it makes a, a good crash point. And I've crashed here several times when I couldn't make it over the mountains coming from the, uh, from the southeast. Um, you know, you wouldn't think the Blue Ridge are terribly high, but with a low deck, sometimes it's, you, you can't make it over there. 
So that's that's always my my number one crash point for for that. It's got a crew car, but it's a pretty busy airport. So you, if you if you think you're going to need that, um, you might want to call ahead and, and, and make arrangements. And uh, parking is uh, um, five dollars a night after the uh, the first after the first night's free if you, you pay for gas. So it's it's a real good deal. Gas is, uh, of course, gas has gone up all over right now, but I, I put it on the uh, the low to moderate side. It's, uh, you know, you, you, in the area, I think it's within a, a few percent of the, the lowest lowest field, actually. So it's actually, I call it low. So you might want to deviate a little bit to, to gas up. Um, you gas up right now with the trucks. Uh, we'll, we'll touch upon that when we talk to, to Dave. Uh, right now, they just have trucks that come and gas you up. Uh, but they intend to put a, a self-service or two. That, that, so that might even drop it a, a little bit uh, there. Um, like I said, it's, it's uh, the, the real kind of gem. You know, one, it's location. It's, it's right outside the SFRA. It's easy to uh, um, get into. And the other thing is the FBO has just, just, just uh, dropped it gorgeous. It's this huge uh, atrium, uh, two-story area. It just, just feels... Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a, a building. It's, it's, it's pretty neat if, if, you're into, if you're into that thing. So that is it. Again, I'm sorry I could not find a lot of history. I, I'd be interested if somebody listening to this uh, uh, knows something about the, the history of the, of the uh, airfield. I really couldn't. I've been flying there since, well, I guess mid-90s. And so I know the history from that point, but uh, not before then. Yeah, so we're recording, and uh, this is uh, Hank Roush with Field Airfields of Dreams. I'm here with the uh, the manager of the Warrington Airport, uh, Dave Dara, and uh, yeah, I've been coming here, like we said, uh, Dave, uh, a long time. And I remember when you were you were building this this FBO here. Um, I'm, I'm going to describe it here. It's just it's one of the prettiest FBOs, honestly, uh, I've seen in, in this area. It's uh, you could have we talked about that. You could have gone cheap, but you didn't. You, you really uh, made something of it. Yeah, we sat down and uh, I, I put together a little task force, my de terminal design task force, Leo Sheffer and Ralph Crafts. Uh, Leo used to run MWA and all that at the DC, the, the Metropolitan Washington Airports um, Task Force, whatever they call it. I, I always get it wrong what they call it, but he, he, he was the president of that. So he's used to dealing in very big numbers and and ex extremely uh, complicated uh, construction projects with the various airports, the major airline airports in the area. And then Ralph Crafts is a builder and an entrepreneur and just a very smart fellow. And so I had these two folks help me when I was designing because I'm, I'm an idea guy, but I don't necessarily know how to do it, you know. So you surround yourself with smart people and then maybe you get the, uh, one good idea that makes something happen. And then I had my engineer from uh, Delta Airport Consultants and the architect. And we had four design sessions of about four hours apiece where we came up with this concept right here. And I had some very important ideas that I wanted. I wanted the building to be something for the future, to last 40 to 50 years, not to build a legacy thing. And, uh, and the other thing is, you see out there those mountains? I wanted to be able to get up high enough to see that. So I needed a two-story building, and I didn't know how to get there because the state doesn't like to do two-story terminals because it costs a little bit more. Right. And um, we were able to get that. And now, if if one of those guys down at the 
DOAV hears this, they'll, they'll know the trick. But I, I got the opportunity through, uh, my boss is the county administrator, Paul McCullough at, at Fauquier County. And um, I asked him, I said, when we were getting ready to brief the board of supervisors, all five of them, what we wanted to do here, I asked him if I could have permission to brief each one individually when it was their day, their office day. Okay. And he gave me that, uh, that approval. So I went and I spoke to each one of them and th they were very receptive to what we wanted to do and all. But one of them, Mary Lee, she asked, so Dave, what would a two-story building look like? Because we already had a building designed before I got here. Okay. And it was a nondescript rambling ranch no, I mean, it was... The standard uh, one you see at West Point, you see at Shenandoah. Well, I'm not yeah. going to... No, just not even that nice. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> just no imagination. It was just, hey, something for something. Need a building, need an office, you know. And I'm going, oh, my God, I, I just can't take it. How do I fix this? And when she asked for that, I went back to the state and I said, my board would like to see a two-story concept. If I can get something, can you support that? And they said, well, we'll have to see what it is. So... We were able to uh, talk to my um, uh, architect, his name was Sid, and I said, Sid, I have no money for design because we already had a building design, right. the state's not going to give me any more money. I said, just can you give me the back of the napkin concept for a two-story building based on what we've been talking about in our design sessions? And he said, oh yeah, I think I can do that. And you know, it only costs a little bit, but it wasn't very much. But it looked like a first-hour architect student drew it because I could have probably done it because I studied building construction. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. uh, so we got this concept, and that's how I sold this building to the, the county and say, yeah, we want this, and to the state. And it started out with conventional utilities in here. Okay. Regular HVAC and all that. And then Ralph goes, well, you know, we ought to try to get uh, green. I said, yeah, I'd like to, but I just, I, so I, I, the, the, the state has a, a program for doing sustainable energy and all that in their buildings, and the governor has a program for that. So I went back and I said, you know, we'd like to maybe do geothermal, rainwater harvesting, you know, a few things and do some special stuff in the uh, insulation and stuff like that. Well, yeah, they, well, we don't, that, that's expensive up front and everything. You know, nobody really does that. And I said, well, we'd like to, give you a concept and design that and see if you'll support that. And uh, they were able to, with a little bit of negotiation back and forth, they said, okay, we will support geothermal and your rainwater harvesting. And then Ralph Crafts comes to me and he says, well, we gotta try and get, if we're gonna do that, we might as well get uh, solar. And I said, Ralph, there ain't no, I, I mean, I've already shot my silver bullet. I've thrown the ace card down. I said, they're just, they're just not gonna go another step on that. And uh, he said, okay, and Mr. Crafts funded that solar up there. So this is LEED certified, I, I think. Is well, it we didn't or? go LEED because you have okay. to pay for that. Okay, okay. And that's okay. about 150 grand to get a LEED certification. Okay. okay, But I have two architects on the airport that are tenants, and one of them, his wife, is LEED certified architect. And she went through our, what we did here, you know, looking at the mechanical engineering concept and everything, and um, went through the checklist. And she said, this is most likely a uh, platinum lead certified building because we've got 28 geothermal wells out there. I've got 78 solar panels on top. I'm collecting rainwater and we're very close to getting certified by the state to deliver potable, potable, drinkable water to the public. 
which is not, the state has no regulations for that. So we are the test case. We're going to help them develop the regulations for, for providing in public buildings portable water from rainwater. From the rainwater? Yes. We have a 20,000-gallon cistern out there that's just always full from the rain. Any overflow goes out through that channel that you might be able to see right over there in that dip there um, for stormwater management and all that. And uh, the other thing we did in here, we, we tried to make the building as efficient as we could. The R rating in those walls is about R40. Those, those uh, windows, there's a name for them. I call them thermal rated. That's my term. I, I, I know, I've seen those type of, they, they, they have a certain uh, uh, diffraction value at an angle yeah. or something. Yeah, and yeah. they keep the heat out in the summer yeah. and the heat in in the winter. Yeah. So it makes the building very efficient. And uh, the, the geothermal, uh, I have nine air handlers here, so the building is, is zoned out into nine zones. Each zone has a different temperature to maintain heating and cooling. So you don't have this air conditioning running mm. all the time and mm. everything. And right now we're at a nice, let's see, it says, we're at 73 degrees right now in this building. And nothing, so, I don't hear anything. There's nothing no. going on. No. And, uh, and then you notice I have uh, uh, curtains that can drop down, shades. And so you can actually cut down on the amount of light coming in or, you know, further cut down on any heat that might be working its way in and all that. So this is much and, more than FBO. I've been here. You set up for some kind of uh, events. I, yeah, that's, I was leading to that. Um, the building was designed to be more than just a terminal or an FBO. The superintendent of schools, Fauquier County Schools, holds his principals and vice principal meetings in here. Um, we've got an event next week. I think it's next week. Um, with the school system for the people that do the, the meals and things like that. They're having mm -hmm. some kind of powwow and they're going to use the area because it's nice and large. Our, our supervisor from this district, uh, Rick Gerhardt, he, he hasn't used it yet, but he could, if you want to have a town hall meeting, look at the parking. This, I've got seats, I've got everything for him to come in here and have a little sh uh, you know, uh, shindig with his, uh, his constituents. Not a lot of people fly, but a lot of people have kids that attend schools that, that will see this. Yeah. You know, that, uh, I mean, it, to have this as part of the community, I think, is kind of your genius here. And the other thing we did is the conference room that's upstairs is designed for that CEO, CFO, COO that wants to hold some kind of a business meeting. And it has a very nice kitchen that has high-end uh, we call it refrigerator, stoves, and ovens, and all that. Uh, I've got to tell you about that boardroom, Dave. You let me use that one time. I had a, a video conference, and uh, I can't tell you how much cred I got from people. I was, they could not believe the background. That uh, it looked so professional with that, uh, I don't know, moving the, map or something yeah, behind the, me. The, the Geochron. Clock yeah, they, they were like, "Oh, wherever you're, you know, that's not your house. It's too good looking." You know, they, well, my point is this: they really noticed, uh, you know, just in the back of the video. Yeah, because what I tried to do, and I say the, dev the dev design team, you know, my little task force, I don't do committees, I do task force. Task force get things done. Committees, nothing ever comes out of committee, you know, it seems like. Um, we wanted to have a building that supported future operations here, corporate CEOs and all, because at some point this area is going to develop over here with corporate hangers and things. We, we get like the, the president of, and I forget the name of the company that owns the Fakir uh, hospital over here. They're out of, I want to say Atlanta, somewhere down there. Um, they fly in 
they, they bring in five, six, seven, eight people with them. You know, it's got his accountants and this and that and such and such. And they, and they limos come out, pick them up and take them out to the hospital. Well, one day when he came back, I said, if I could just show you something real quick. I says, you are the CEO. You're the president of this. Said, yes. Yes, I am. And I said, you know, they can come to you. You can fly in huh? and they come to you. Now, I said, I know why you go because you're checking stuff. But if you ever needed a quick business meeting, they come out here, you do that. I've got a kitchen, you can cater everything. And you have a, and then boom, then you go home. And he goes, yeah. And we get like Smith Midland uses ours for some of their um, boards of director meetings and things like that. Uh, I was gonna ask now, I've seen, you've had a lot of planes on this ramp before. I mean, you've had some big events here as I recall and just, it was like Plain City. So you're used to taking in a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, yeah we've had uh, you know the B17 came here from uh, the CAF out in Arizona, uh, Sentimental Journey. Fifth of May, fifth uh, was it seventh and eighth of May? We're having um, a, a Warbird showcase out here. Panchito, the B25, and mm -hmm. several L birds are coming out. And that's going to be Saturday, Sunday, and it'll be a big shindig, and uh, we'll have food truck and all that kind of stuff, and people can get rides and such and such. Um, we've had events for children. I've had town hall meetings here. Uh, we use this, you know, you can clip right into that TV with a Bluetooth or, uh, you know, HDMI or whatever, and you can hold a, hold meetings and, and uh, do presentations and things. And we were talking before you started the recording, uh, any given day, you've got parachute operations happening here. You've got an acrobatic box. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got the, uh, the flying circus just down the road here. I mean, it's, it's a lot more complex than you would think of just a little strip out, out somewhere. Yeah, we, we have quite a bit of operations here. And, um, uh, of course, I love flying and all that. I commanded a base in Japan, a military base. I was going to ask you, Dave, if, if you could yeah, talk a little about I know you got experience. You were H-60 pilot. But I was a CH, CH-46 helicopter uh, pilot. Thank you. Thank you. CH-46. I, I flew other aircraft also in the Marine Corps, but that was okay. my primary MOS, 7562. Okay. Frogs forever. There you go. And... Uh, so, but somehow, I don't know how, I got a jet base. I got Iwakuni as a helicopter pilot. I just, I'm, I'm so happy. A um, couple of the generals that were on the selection board uh, were friends of mine, believe it or not, and they just said, Dave, we married you up with the MAG commander because you guys had floated together. He was an F-4, F-18 guy, but he had been an air officer back in the 80s when I pumped out of Hawaii on, on our, what we, back then we called them miles, but on the Mew, go on the ship and all. And he was the air officer, so he and I uh, had developed a friendship. And then uh, they, I guess they needed a little bit of a 10 to 11 care between the two groups, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so at the end of the day, when all the sticky tabs fell off the wall in the selection room where the generals sit and pick out who's going to be in command, he said, your name was still on the wall. And I said, I'm happy. <laughs> no, I, I guess I'm not surprised you built a place like this if you, if you ran Iwakuni. That, that, that blows my mind, actually. Well, Iwakuni is a very, very big uh, jet base in, in Japan. Its primary function is, I'm not giving away the farm here, but North it's Korea. To, is to fight the, the air China. war in Korea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's the closest U.S. military base off the peninsula of Korea to the fight, 350 nautical miles. I've, I've done some work for the NCIS here, so I know... Um, yeah, it's serious as a heart attack. They're right on the front line. It's, yeah. There's no, there no there between you guys yeah. and North Koreans here. And the other thing there was we had a project, it started way before I was there, called the Iwakuni Runway Relocation Project. 
and it's to move the, the, at that time the current runway out one mile into the sea. They took a whole mountain, it's called the Togo Mountain Down, and relocated that dirt, grew it just like they did in Osaka at huh? Kansai Airport. But they learned from Kansai, because Kansai's sinking. They figured out how to not do that. And that airport now is, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, back that, then it was a 4.6 billion with a B, 4.6 billion dollar project. And I had a whole staff that ran that with the Japanese government. And uh, here's a CB, there's uh, a commander and his whole group there. And we probably had five or 6,000 Japanese on, the, on mm -hmm. the base at one time doing all that work. It was just mm -hmm. unbelievable. You should remember, the, the, the um, big steam shovel that was out there was so huge, it had rooms for the people to live in. So they didn't have to go home and can stay working. Um, but anyway, while we were there, we redesigned the layout of the airfield to be more efficient for fighting the air, air war and all that. Sure. And I was able to negotiate with the Japanese to get another taxiway, which gave me three runways, because our taxiways we used as runways for lunch and During, recovery. Yeah. And that way, uh, the mayor and everybody in, in the prefecture, we were in the Yamaguchi prefecture, they had no airport for uh, commercial traffic, and they wanted to use Iwakuni. The U.S. owns the base, and they just didn't want to do it. But uh, here I'm telling myself again. <laughs> I told the mayor, I said, you keep banging that thing, I need another taxiway. If you give me another taxiway, I can mitigate the challenge why the, air, why the military does not want you to have an airliner here. And that was, if you goon up the runway, we can't launch. Sure. But now I've got through. So, but they didn't realize that we're, I was asking for another runway, actually. So obviously uh, you're used to working with a lot of different constituencies and appealing to their... Uh, well, like I say, I'm an idea guy, and I don't uh, necessarily know how to make things work. But I do know, uh, working with smart people, and then we met with the Japanese officials at the DFAA level, which is like working with the Secretary of Defense level, and wow. um, sat at the table and laid it out. Of course, the Japanese, they suck teeth, you know, and, oh, Derasan, okay, let's, we want to think about this. And then three months later, they came back. They laid out my concept, and I said, man, I like that. That's what we're going to do. And that, that said, okay, yes. <laughs> so we were able to really redesign the runway, so it became almost a $7.6 billion project all paid for by the Japanese government. Wow. And then they turn it over to the mil U.S. military. We own it, and then we maintain it. I got to ask you, how did you go from Iwakuni to, to Warrington? Well, I was getting ready to retire. I wanted to retire out of there from the Marine Corps. I'd, uh, I was going to retire at 29 active years of uh, commission service. I did, I did a total of 33 altogether. And um, I got a call one night around midnight from a friend of mine who's the three-star, and he ran Marine Corps Aviation. His name is Mike Howe, General Mike Howe. Call sign is a Hog, Hog Howe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, he, he says, Dave, I need, a, I need an EA. Uh, I, I'd like you to be my EA. My wife is standing right there, and I said, when do you want me, sir? Because he was a great influence on my career. He's a great mentor. We played a lot of golf together. And he, he helped me have a career beyond the rank of lieutenant colonel, if you will. <laughs> So, uh, and I had the opportunity to be uh, competitive for Brigadier General, but you know, they only pick a couple guys, so you can't. Sure, you can't, so, yeah, that's yeah, a crapshoot. Crap yeah. yeah. But you know, he put me in a position to be competitive, and that was very nice, and I got some very good assignments because of him. And uh, so, 
uh, I said, I'll be there when you want me. He says, oh, okay. And I said, he says, I'll pull your papers, my retirement papers. He says, just be here as soon as you can. And that, that's how we got there. Oh, so he, he brought you as EA. As the EA from Marine Corps Aviation. Okay. And I did that. So we ended up not going back to Florida where our home is. We ended up up here. Okay. <laughs> and then okay. this is where the jobs are, if you will. I had a sure. job set up down there, but you get paid better up here. So sure. I became a beltway bandit for a while and uh, finished up with the L3, running, uh, helping run a Marine Corps program uh, mm -hmm. for a bunch of Army guys that were in the business unit I was in at L3. And they were all Army guys, and they brought me and another fellow over because we were Marines and knew how to speak Marine. So we did that, and then when that was over with, I was looking for something, and I found this job. And I told my wife, I said, you're not going to believe this, but they're looking for an airport manager to run that Warrington Airport. She says, does it pay much? And I said, no, it doesn't. But it looks like it would be a fun thing to do. And I could absorb the lower pay coming from where I was and mm -hmm. all, because I'm a retired colonel, and I, mm -hmm. I make pretty good money that way. Mm -hmm. So I accepted this, because when in the interview, they told me they want to do this. And that's what I do. Yeah, all I can say is thank you, General Howe, for bringing you up here. This place yeah. is a testament. It's just, yeah. I'm saying it's like a two-story atrium. It's kind of a, a trapezoid space, and it's just uh, absolutely beautiful just, just standing here. Yeah, I'll tell you a little interesting thing, though. I was a squadron commander under General Howe when he was a colonel, MAG-24 in Hawaii. And so I had about three months to go before I rotated, but I had no assignment yet. Uh, normally, you would know where you're going. Sure. And the other thing was, I made lieutenant colonel, and then I got frocked, which means I got promoted to the rank of lieutenant colonel to take the command okay. of a squadron, but I didn't get paid. I was still a major until just before I gave up the command. Then I finally got promoted. So I go up to see the, the, the colonel, and he says, all right, so what do you want to do now? And I said, well, you know, sir, I'm probably not going to make colonel, so i just like to go fly C-12s or Gulf Streams or maybe the C-9, you know, that the Marine Corps had. <laughs> And, uh, and, he, and he looked at me and he says, well, let me tell you what you're going to do. <laughs> he didn't take it. He just did that for amusement, <laughs> ask you what you he want. He goes, first of all, you're going to headquarters Marine Corps. Of course, I immediately broke out of the cold sweat because when you tell a, a fleet Marine guy that he's going to come in and work inside the beltway, uh, you know, it's because mm -hmm. that's a different, whole different ballgame. He says, you're going to go into headquarters Marine Corps. Then you're going to get selected for top level school. Then you're going to go to the joint staff and get that joint ticket. Then you're going to make colonel and you're going to get colonel command. That's what you're going to do. And I go, okay. <laughs> and by God, if that shit didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I was only in the aviation department as an action officer for one year. And I got selected for top level school just like that. And then from there, I went to the joint staff. From there, I got selected for colonel. From there, you know, I, I went down to Lamp Fleet and worked there, and then I got my colonel command. I mean, just like the man said. Yeah. I'm going, holy crap. How does... And let me tell you about him, though. He is he's really a great guy. He's one of the few uh, general officers in the Marine Corps at that time that could go both ways, meaning operational, he's an operator, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and he's acquisition because hmm. he worked both. And so he was very smart about that. One of the things that he worked very hard was to get the Marine Corps to promote acquisition people into the rank of colonel so they could take over programs in aviation instead of a Navy guy running a Marine program, things like that. Mm. So, you know, he very, he really understood and he knew how to, he just knew how to lead people. He was just, a, I would go to, yeah. I'd, I'd go to hell with him. Yeah. Um, the other guy that was like that also 
was uh, Peter Pace, General Pace. I worked for him a couple times, and I worked with him, and he was a great leader also. I'm trying to think. I ran into, I think it was Sheehan. General Sheehan, yeah. big tall guy. Yeah, yeah, I ran into him once. He, uh, he really rocked a lot of boats, uh, that yeah, fellow he was, did. Well, he's a, he, he was, I wouldn't say he had any people skills, or if he did, it's a different type of people skills. Yeah, but he went four stars, you know, went yeah. all the way. So I remember once at Quantico, there was a, called this place called the Marine Shop where you'd buy uniforms and stuff. And he came into, and I happened to be in the building when he was there, and he was buying something. And the young lady that was taking care of him did not know who he was. And that kind of upset him a little <laughs> bit. So when he, so he and I, I said, this is General Sheehan Forstar. <laughs> like oh, because, you know, and, and I don't want to be picking on four stars, but they get used to being taken care sure, of, you know sure. what I mean? So. No, I was at something, uh, some kind of acquisition thing, and uh, a lot of contractors were assembled, and he pulled no punch, punches. He just showed up, well, you guys have been here. Uh, we didn't like it. You're out. You know, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like not, not the kind of PC way of talking. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Some guys are like that, you know. So, so about um, Warrington, uh, um, no discussion of Warrington would be uh, complete without Iris, because um, you had told me before, the person a lot involved with this, she had a, a horse. Can, can yes. you tell me that story? Well, I'll tell you, uh, when it came time, the uh, board asked me to brief the airport committee, and each committee member is selected by one of the board members, and they represent, and, and the, the, the airport committee here is advisory in nature, Okay. So I would, I would then tell them about the two-story concept and the force and, and, the, and the original design. And so as I'm briefing the airport committee, which is an open meeting, so we had other tenants in the building, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Crafts were there, Bobby and Ralph Crafts were sitting there, and I, I started briefing, okay, this is the, the single story, the, the original design, Here's the concept for the four to two story and blah, blah. And as I'm doing this, I'm going, this is going to cost more. What's going to, is the uh, more, more stuff to the uh, you know, taxpayers of Fauquier County and all that costing more. And I'm going, and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'll figure out how to clean up this single story concept and make it look better. And just tell the board that that's where we're going. And um, so I, I got home and about eight o'clock at night, no kidding, Mrs. Crafts, Bobby calls me up and she says, hi Dave, this is Bobby. Um, we really like that two-story concept. If I helped you pay for that, would you be able to build it? And I'd like, uh, <laughs> uh, yes ma'am, I think I can. I, I don't know if the county will take the money or whatever, but yeah, baby. <laughs> Wow. And uh, then they, they went to the board and, and briefed what they wanted to do. And they didn't really want any, they didn't want a lot of hoopla about it or anything, but they did. She gave us about a half a million dollars for the design of the two-story and some other things. And that got, and that the state, okay, you got the money, okay, we'll, we'll go there. And then, then I had to work in the uh, utilities, like I said, you know, mm -hmm. change it from conventional to a more green look at everything. So the building became the art what I call the art of the possible for the county because this district is a green district for utilities. So it's so when they bring in businesses and they want to start building, they go, we'd like you to consider this, 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 you know. Okay. Look, and okay. we've got the concept over there. You can take a look and see how it works. And the, the, the problem with the, the state, it's not the problem, it's not the right word. The challenge with them was 
to do geothermal, to do uh, the, all this stuff, it costs a little more up front. But I, I was able to show them over the life cycle, the life of the building, that the maintenance on it is, is lower than if I go conventional because of the, how many times you have to repair air handlers versus mm -hmm. these air handlers working off of geothermal and all that. And we got a mechanical engineer that's, mm. that said, well, most people only worry about how much you're going to save on your electricity bill. But I said, yeah, the, the state doesn't care about that because they don't think that the citizens of Virginia should be paying to, to have me have a lower cost operating my building. But they want to know the maintenance side of it. And so he did all this mechanical calculation and all. And he says, well, you're only going to need to repair those air handlers on the average over the 40 years, 50 years, maybe three times. Whereas those conventional air handlers are going to be more like four or uh, six or eight times. When I told that to the engineer down there at the OIV, he says, that's a no-brainer. So again, that, that was, you, you found out kind of the pain point of that constituency and then mm -hmm. tailored your message to him. If you'd gone like cost of operation, that wasn't Even, his problem. That was, no, that's my problem. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. I, I, I touted that up front and said, well, I can, I can operate this building much cheaper. Now, let me tell you about this building. This building is 7.14 times. We just did this a week ago. We had a whole forum in here about uh, energy and all that. 7.14 times larger than that building down there. We compared the last year of electricity bills down there, which was all electric, and uh, it had one ramp light, and everything in it was, uh, you know, uh, air, uh, heat, uh, we call it uh, heat, heat pumps and all yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And we were spending about um, 9000 and something. For, for the old building? For the old building. Okay. This building, the first year of operation, there was a little bit of upfront cost because we absorbed a couple of months of pay that uh, electricity that was when we, before we uh, actually moved in. So there mm -hmm. was a higher bill. It was around $11,000 for that year. For so a factor of seven times the volume, yeah. but $2,000, roughly 20% more. Yeah, so there's wow. an 80% savings. So, I mean, it was just, I'm going, wow. Yeah. And, I, I, and the thing is, on this building, there's only one a meter. So I can't tell you what the building costs or what are the lights cost. Huh. So all these lights out here, every light you see on the driveway, in the parking lot, the bollards, the two ramp lights that are out there, and everything that's run on electricity in this building is on one meter. Okay. And right now, if we were to go out and look at the meter, you would see the arrow showing that I'm giving back to the grid right now. So you, you obviously have inverters then, I guess. Yes, so you, the inverters are up there, and then I've got a transfer uh, unit down here that puts the power into my uh, 400 amp services. I got three 400 amp services out there. and. Uh, so back to Mrs. Kraft. So she's the reason, like a, a pilot coming in here to see this horse statue. Like, what's a, what's a horse statue doing in there? And I explained to him, and, and she's got why. the little saying down there, you yeah. know, what they do. And um, Iris, uh, when, it, when, when it came time to pick the name of the road, I select, I said, I, I like to call it Iris Trail. And I asked her, may I name the road after your horse? And she says, by all means. So we named it Iris Trail. And then the, the, the building number is 1533, which is the runway. <laughs> Very good. So I, I never noticed that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, would, I might have noticed that. Now, yeah. one of my workers said, well, what happens when it changes to 1-6-whatever? <laughs> yeah. Then we'll worry about that when the time comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a bit pedantic. Yeah. yeah, so for a GA pilot coming in here, um, yeah, the gas is uh, right in, in line with everything else. Um, 
no, uh, uh, your, your line guys, you know, even small guys like me aren't used to getting trucks rolled for them. So are, do you have plans to put in a self-serve? Yes, we do. See that last set of uh, conduits sticking up? Okay. Somewhere over there, okay. I've already got the infrastructure laid out. I wanted to do that this year, but every time I kept getting the thing together, the package together to go to the state to get the funding, it would be like an 80-20, 80% on them. I'd get a call from the providers of the different um, self-service uh, tanks and stuff that the prices were going up, mm. and I could never get a solid number to go to the state and, and get the, the grant. So what I did, I said, okay, I'll turn that over to the next person that's going to take over from me. We've got it into the CIP, just got to get it. Okay. Get the right numbers and everything. Okay. But they just kept going up. Yeah, that's the story of construction everywhere. You can't get yeah. quotes more than about 10 days now because yeah. they, they, uh, everyone's costs. So for a GA pod coming in, and I've had a ditch here before, you've got like one part that's accessible, even if there's nobody here. You've got yeah. one One of the things we want to do is have availability for people to use the restrooms, maybe get a cup of coffee or get something from the vending. Uh, or I've had a couple times I've come in in the morning and... There's a fellow sleeping on the couch in the pilot lounge, which is absolutely fine. And so in the back there, we tell them, uh, just punch in their, I'm not going to say the numbers, but punch no. in Lost Calm. Yep. So yep. the pilots know what to do. Yep. And you're good to go. And then in the morning, we'll see if you're in here and all that. So I, I've yeah. never spent an entire night here before, but I spent a number of hours waiting to be, this is my ditch spot when I can't make it over the mountains. Mm. And uh, it was very nice to have that little, because uh, I've been kicked out of some FBOs. You know, they lock it up. They're like, Well, we have that one door that locks the building up sure. so you can't get into here sure uh but you've got run of everything you need and we have showers in the that's the other thing i want to do i'm thinking like a corporate pilot i noticed a lot of guys will sit here all day long and i know you know maybe they want to take a quick shower before the boss comes freshen up be ready to go to bring them back to wherever they came from this is so, a real jewel right outside the sfra too a lot of us Little guys don't like messing with the SFR. And anytime you go inside, the, the air feels a lot more expensive. This is like uh, really spoiling it for, you know, just flying around here. I mean, uh, I'm sorry to hear. So you, you have plans to leave or you had a certain contract? No, it's just that I, I decided when I came here, I would do at least 10 years. And I did. Okay. And I said, I will then determine, do I want to stay or do they want to keep me? Maybe I'm not what they're looking for or whatever, you know. So I, I gave them 10 years and I'm on a... Uh, state retirement system. I didn't realize that when I signed up, uh, but I learned that I'm going to get a retirement from the state. Okay. It won't be a whole lot of money. I get some insurance out of it and uh, COBRA stuff if I need it. Like uh, the only thing I've got right now is dental on the state. Mm -hmm. uh, everything else I get through TRICARE and all that. And so you're, you're keeping your options open then, but you're, you're not like you're definitely leaving anytime soon. Oh, I'm leaving. They, we've got oh, 17 are? applications for the Oh, oh wow. I'm retiring 30 June. Oh, congratulations. So I made that decision. Oh. And uh, when I told that to my wife, my wife's name is Christy. Um, we're from Orlando, you know, and uh, she, said, she said, we're moving back to Florida. I said, okay, we have six grandsons up here, one granddaughter down there. All the boys play ball. They're all up here, the boys, good baseball players and all that. So we're going to go down there, and I'm going, oh, God, I'm going to have to drive all the way back up here. I need to win the lottery so I can do <laughs> wheels up or something. But anyway. Uh, oh, so I'm very happy. Uh, I, I'm very fortunate, actually, to catch you before um, – you, you were out of landing here in August. So it would have been out of luck. With the chocks. And yeah. Now, now you, you, you actively fly? You continue to fly? I do. Yes, I do. I did sell my... I had a 210, Cessna 210. I did sell it recently. Um, I'm out of that. 
So when I get to Florida, once I'm settled down there, then I'll figure out what I want to do. My brother-in-law owns two airplanes, so I do have airplanes to fly. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Right now, um, my wife followed, we've been married 48 years. She's uh. followed me around the Marine Corps and wherever I've gone for 48 years. So, you know, a man's got to do what a man's got to do, and I'm going to do what she tells me to do. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Because I'm the man. I'm the man, you know. Got that right. <laughs> so, uh, but when it came time, she said, we're moving to Florida. And I says, well, are we going to move back to Orlando, where we came from? And she says, oh, no, 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 no. I want to live. I want to be on the beach. And my wife, and I remember in high school, because I, I used to know her in high school, she and her friends, we'd all go to the beach, you know, Daytona or Cocoa Beach. And I would just like uh, Google all over those girls in her bikinis, you know. <laughs> But uh, so she likes doing the beach and stuff. So I said, well, East Coast or West Coast? She says, we're not going to go to the West Coast. That's where all the old people live. And I said, sweetie, we're in our 70s. <laughs> I think we're considered the older people now. But she says, no, I want to be in. And so we, we kind of looked from Jacksonville Beach down to Titusville area. Okay. And we selected uh, New Smyrna Beach. We have friends really? there. Really? You know, I was just about to mention, I, I've got family down in New Smyrna. And there's a big CAF contingent down there, as, as yeah. a matter of fact. You, you get down there, there's all kinds of, you're talking about the uh, B-17. I think that's their winter home for well, summer or something. Yeah, well, there's also the, um, what do they call it? It's in Titusville at Tyco. There's a, it's not CAF, it's called... Oh, I, I used to know them. They've got several airplanes, too. I've actually flown with them way back when I was a, a, a Marine pilot at an air show in Greenville, South Carolina. I wouldn't be surprised if you ended running something down there, Dave. I mean, uh, just knowing you. <laughs> well, you know, I, it is hard to not go to work, uh, but I will stay busy. One of the things I might get involved in is they have turtles, you know, that come uh -huh. up and get in that ecology stuff and mm -hmm. help the turtles, mm -hmm. you know, keep the people from messing up their nests mm -hmm. and help mm -hmm. those little turtles get out to the ocean and all that. I have a friend that did that and it's kind of, might be something to do. Yeah, it's kind of giving back. You, you, you volunteer yeah. for something yeah. or, yeah. or maybe I'll call the airport and complain about the airport noise. Like, <laughs> there you go. Give the airport manager a pain in the butt, you know. <laughs> so. Well, Dave, it's been such a pleasure and uh, I've always admired this place and you actually when, when, I, when I saw you building this because uh, the, old, the old FBO was good for its time, but that time is, is, had gone, obviously. It would really, and, you know, they, we were, I, I would land there and there'd be, you'd be chock-a-block sometime. It was, it was really small. Well, the, a lot of people, when we first opened this, they, they, they lost, we lost the, um, the quaintness of it and everything. Yeah. Know? But people are starting to come here, and I said, just come on down, get a cup of coffee, you know. I've, uh, I got my coffee paid for by a patron. Once a year, I get a check to cover my coffee mess. I've got another patron that helps pay for our Wi-Fi that we give away free to the customers here. And, uh, and uh, oh, for uh, GA, is there a crew cars for people coming in? We have a crew in? car. Actually, Mrs. Crafts donated that. There's ah. a little car. It's that uh, Jeep Cherokee sitting out there. Yeah, I have so, landed, I think, with the old FBO, they brought me over sometimes to the, uh, the Flying Circus, I remember, because it's hard to land there when they're doing their, yeah, their yeah. stuff. Yeah. So we have that. We usually ask people to give us a call to reserve it because it's first come, first serve. Sure. And if somebody sure. reserves it, we'll make sure it's here for them. You know, I, I couldn't help but notice your virtual tower right there. Does that come from flight following, or where do those uh, end that's numbers a, come that's from? That's actually, Vert Tower is uh, it's an, an app you buy. It's $6,000 a year. Okay. And it provides me with, that is called the uh, terminal screen. 
It's for people to see what's going on around the airfield and the takeoffs and landings. But but my tail yeah. number didn't show up on it. I mean, you did, have ADSB. Um, I do. Oh, but I have it in uh, anonymous mode. Okay, that's why. It that's why. It, so it comes out the ADSB. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yes. Got it. But what I really use it for is it, it tracks my operations. Uh huh. Uh, tells me it breaks it up by helicopter, by military aircraft, by GA, by jet, whatever. It, it knows all that stuff because of the the data contained in the ADSB okay. tag. And, and um, I guess you have to report that to the FAA and a whole well, lot of people. Well, actually, what it's for when people say, "How many operations do you do a year?" We estimate now. After I've only had it since August. In a year, I'll know exactly what I do in a weekend every year, see how we're doing, getting yeah. more, getting less, whatever. And we have about 1% to 2% that don't get picked up like yours. Uh, some, some of the Piper Cubs don't have electrical systems, so sure. they're grandfathered out, that kind sure. of stuff. So uh, we sort of mentally keep track of those kinds of sure. landings. Sure, Well, that's, and, a, that's a round off anyway, 1% or 2%. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, the company is out of Florida, and they came by one day and dropped by and showed me this thing. And I said, I gotta have that. I gotta have that. Saves a lot of. Uh, so we're the, there's only two airports in Virginia that have it right now. Uh, over there at Manassas, that they have it. Juan Rivera got it, and I got it. No, I noticed it, and it was it's amazing. It shows you takeoffs and landings and which runway they're using. Mm -hmm. You know, which actually gives you a data point too, because. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was watching, it was about half and half, so obviously the winds are light and variable shift, right yeah. now. And we, uh, I, I, I can make reports out of that every month, which I actually do. I, I print out a, a very quick report that shows all the activity on the airport, how many takeoffs and landings from one runway, how many were on the other runway, and then I put it in our shared folder with finance, budget, and everything so they can see how busy we are. Sure, sure, and, uh, sure. I can also, I can do other, there's all kinds of reports you can do from it. I'm probably not even using half the stuff you can yet. But let's, let's say somebody complained about your flight and said you were buzzing their house. I mm -hmm. could actually pull up your end number, watch you go out, and it would tell me just like uh, you can on FlightAware. Yeah, altitude. Like what you did, altitude, yeah. airspeed, yeah. and all that, and say, well, yeah, he flew over your house, but he was at 3,000 feet. He didn't do anything like you said. Or maybe, whoops, and then I say, hey, uh, yeah. Hank, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big brothers watching, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, that, that goes both ways, doesn't it? Because there's yeah. a lot of kind of erroneous charges levied. You know, people don't, you know, I, I would say the average Mod Zero Mark One person could not tell what AGL or MSL is, for yeah. one thing. And two, like if something's at, you know, 500 AGL or... Yeah. The, the state of Florida, where those guys are from, almost... I won't say every airport, but a very large majority have Vert Tower. The state bought into it. Ah. They presented, I was told by Les, who owns that company, that they did brief DOAV and they weren't interested in helping the rest of the airports get that. So I don't know. Now that you have that, people land here, they're going to go, oh, that looks, that looks good. <laughs> so now let me tell you very quickly, one of the other things that I'm very proud of, and then I know you've got to get going, um, we got... I was able to get about $80,000 in donations to help outfit the air, the, this terminal. That 80000 was to pay for the stuff that I could not get a grant for from the state because the state does not pay for TVs, telephones, things like that, mm. all that, the, the uh, uh, appliances in the kitchen. There's $40,000 worth of appliances in that kitchen. I believe it, yeah. Um, so we were able to, people just contributed for us, it was a very nice thing, and I did not spend one penny of public money to outfit our offices, buy these things, 
get the other accoutrements that you see here that are in the private space area. Um, and so I feel very, very good about that. Yeah, it's not going to surprise me when you're down in Florida, Dave. They'll be, I'll, I'll see your name attached to something. That, that, that's, that's amazing. I mean, a lot of people won't give you $8 or something. Forget about 80000 <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Impressive. Back in December, somebody wrote me and asked me from Florida if I would put my application in to run Sun and Fun and all that. And I, I started to work it up, and, and then I got to thinking, and I talked to some people that are familiar with it, and they says they told me that I probably wouldn't like it because you're not just Sun and Fun, you're also that, that flight academy they have there, that high school. Okay. And okay. they say, Dave, it's very political, mm. and you're not in charge. And mm. I like being in charge of mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I said, no, well, I said, I'm retiring for a reason. Uh, and my wife said, are you kidding me? She says, I'm living in, in uh, New Smyrna. If you want to be in Lakeland. <laughs> I says, well, I'll just fly back and forth. And she says, with what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, permission granted. Yeah. So I didn't do that. I don't know that I would have got it. They, they hired their airport manager there okay. to, to take over for uh, the fellow that retired and everything. Lights. Well, again, I just want to thank you for giving me your time and, and uh, you know, uh, Thank you for this place, honestly, Dave. I, I, I don't think it would, be, it would be here. It would not be this if, if you hadn't been here. And this is quite, quite a legacy for you to leave here for GA. And anybody, you know, flying around in Virginia, you know, if they haven't stopped at Warrington, yeah, they should. And uh, I just want to thank you very much, Dave. Well, thank, you. thank you. And all this is, I just still want. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the, uh, I just want to say I have great staff. Uh, Stacy Williams in there manages all the money with me and everything and does the administrative management of everything that we've got going with the grants and all that. And then, you know, William, Tyler, and John uh, really provide a great service on the flight line. And, and they're still staying here. And they're staying. they're staying. In fact, Tyler, I've got, I was able to get a, another full-time position and Tyler's going to go from part-time to full-time starting in July. Yeah. So. Well, this place seems to me on the upswing. I, I don't know what your numbers show, but... Um, this is definitely the spot. Well, this building the... has contributed to more jet traffic, which is jet sales in terms of fuel. And that's where the money is. The money's not in Honolulu. The money's in the of jet. Of course. Yeah, of course. So yeah, yeah. They buy large quantities, and the markup is pretty, is pretty good. So. Good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah. Pay, pay for all these infrastructure for us little guys. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah. All those taxes. I've always, I've always been aware of that, that, that yeah, nobody makes any money on, on GA, piss, and planes. It's really... Uh, you know the the uh, you know corporate and all that's carrying mm -hmm. our freight. I'm, I've always been very aware of that. So it's good to see a place that caters to that. that that'll keep things going. Well, thank you. This has been uh, Airfields of Dreams with uh, uh, Dave Dara, and until um, uh, next time. <laughs>